Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. this morning and uh, this morning we're going to be in John chapter 11 and we're going to start with the first few verses I don't know how far we'll get today but John chapter 11 and we're going to talk about Lazarus today a little bit you know we've talked about how Jesus was the great shepherd he was the door he was the the great I am, and every every time Jesus uses one of those terms, what he's saying is he's the great mighty God, the one who's always existed, always has existed. And I think it's kind of neat because when you get to chapter eleven of the book of John, you know, back in John ten, Jesus said that he came to give life and life abundantly. And what he does is he he comes in and he gives us the example of Lazarus even though he dies in the grave dies and has been in the grave for four four days that he comes and he gives him life and so he's a picture of a sinner all of us who are dead in our trespasses and sins but Jesus brings us back to life let's look at this section I kind of titled this section based on verse number 4 where Jesus said, when Jesus heard that, when he talked about, Lord, behold, the one whom you love is sick, Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified. So all of us dread death, and physical death ends our lives and separates us from people. But spiritual death, when people don't trust Christ, that separates us from God. Jesus has come that we might have life and life abundantly. And so I believe that this is a demonstration of that life and life abundant. So let me read the first few verses here. I don't know how far we'll get today. but Let me read about four verses and then we'll see how far we get. It says in John chapter 11 verse 1, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the house of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister said to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, I think that's the key verse in the whole section. You know, God wants us to glorify Him in everything we say and do, doesn't He? I mean, the whole reason He does everything He does is that so that He gets the glory. We understand who He is and what He's done and how great and awesome He is. And so He wants the glory. He deserves the glory. 
and we ought to give it to him and that's the whole reason this section of scripture is here and so when he starts out he says now a certain man you know I hadn't quite figured out have you ever noticed in the Bible it says now a certain woman a certain man a lot of times I don't know why it does that but maybe one day I'll figure that one out but it says a certain man was sick and then he tells us Lazarus of Bethany the town of Mary and her sister Martha let's talk about Lazarus name first of all Lazarus name means one whom God helps you know and he's one that God helped tremendously wasn't he, he was he and we're going to see later that he's going to die he's sick and he's going to die and God's going to help him tremendously he's going to bring him back to life and then he's from the town of Bethany Bethany is that town a couple of miles away from Jerusalem and it actually means the house of suffering and so it's right near Jerusalem and they changed the name of that after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead they changed the name and I can't pronounce it but uh, they changed the name of it and it means place of Lazarus the next thing he says here is it's the town of Mary and her sister Martha when, you, when we read about Mary and Martha in Matthew 26, where it talks about Mary, and she was the one that broke the... Now, she wasn't Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, the one, but a lot of people confuse her, but she was Mary, the one that broke that expensive flask of oil, and she anointed Jesus' feet for his burial. Basically, that was what she was doing. She was anointing him with that expensive oil that perfume and she was basically doing that because she was worshiping him and she was you know that's what they did was they perfumed your body before you went in the grave they didn't have all the things that we have today and so they perfumed you and wrapped you in all these spices and that was what she was doing but that hasn't even happened yet but you know what she she is also the one that when Jesus went to town, what happens? Martha is running around, busy, and she's serving and doing all this stuff. And then, and then Mary's doing what? She's sitting at Jesus' feet, right? She's sitting at Jesus' feet. She's listening and she's learning. And Martha was distracted about with much serving and much doing. And she complains to Jesus about... Well, Jesus, why don't you get my sister to get up and do something too? And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, the things you're doing are good. But basically, this is Marty's paraphrase. The things you're doing are good, but uh, Mary has chosen the better part. She was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to Jesus, studying from Jesus, trying to learn from Jesus. And, you know, I think that's why she's mentioned first in this section of Scripture because she has a closer place to Jesus' heart. And it says it's the town of Mary and Martha. Even though Martha is the older sister, Mary gets mentioned first because of who she is in her relationship with Jesus. A lot of times we get so concerned with doing and, and doing and doing. And Jesus says sometimes you just need to come apart and be still for a while and draw near to me, right? I heard one man put it this way. He says, you need to come apart and be still or you'll come apart. <laughs> you know, if you don't come apart and be still and enjoy yourself and sit and rest, 
You know, when some people just feel like they always got to be doing and doing and doing and doing. And you know, God loves for us to serve Him and to do those things for Him. But He loves for us to sit at His feet and just spend time with Him. Like the old song in the garden talks about, He walks with me and He talks with me and He tells me I am His own. And that's just spending time with Jesus, right? That's what He wants. And so Mary gets the first place in this and it says it's the town of Mary. And so maybe because of who she is and because she's always sitting and has time for people and is not always doing closer to the people in town too. So it says she's, it's the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And then he says it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. I, I messed up a minute ago. That actually happens in chapter 12. And it hasn't even happened yet. But John goes ahead and tells us that this is the Mary who's going to do that, even though it hasn't even happened yet. It says, and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. So there he calls her the, the brother of Mary who, who's going to anoint his feet. And remember when she anointed his feet, she was doing that because she was worshiping him. She was glorifying him. She was saying, yes, I believe that you're God and that you are the one we need to worship and serve. And she was sitting at his feet doing that. And then it says in verse 3, Therefore, the sisters said to him, What was therefore mean? Because, because Lazarus was sick, they sent for Jesus, right? Saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So what does it say here? Therefore, the sisters said to him, Say, Lord, Behold, the one whom you love is sick. They, they, they use that word, behold. You know, we usually use that word, behold. It's not like, Lord, come, uh, Lazarus is sick. Or, Lord, you need to come see he's sick. But it's like, you know, when they pull the cover off of some nice piece of artwork or you want to show something that's really important, what do you do? You go, behold, look, <laughs> take a look at this. In other words, you need to really look. And every time that word is used in the book of John is very important. One of the places John uses it back in John chapter 1, verse 29, where he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when he uses that word behold, it's very important. It doesn't just mean, hey, take a look over here. You know, this ain't no big deal. But they're saying, look, this is very important. And what they probably do is expect Jesus to drop everything and either come to Bethany or maybe heal him from right there. I don't know what exactly. You know, I know they probably at this point know that Jesus can heal him from where he's at. But they're probably thinking, you know, come on where we're at and heal him. But you know what? That was right where he just left from in chapter 10. You remember what happened in chapter 10? They were trying to kill him, right? At the end of the chapter, they tried to stone him or they were going to stone him. And then Jesus started talking to him again and, and says, why are you going to stone me? What, what good work have, are you going to stone me for? And they said, well, we're not going to stone you because of the good stuff you did. We're going to stone you because you being a man made yourself out to be God. And then they took up stones to stone him again. But it wasn't his time. And so he drifts on out of there and he's gone. They can't get him. They can't lay home, can't lay hands on him. So he's, notice what he says, Behold, the one you love is sick. 
They, 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 they appeal to Jesus. He's the one that you love, Lord. You love Him. Come see the man that you love. Come minister to Him. Come heal Him. And then it says in verse 4, when Jesus heard that, He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So notice what Jesus says. He says this sickness is not unto death. Now, Lazarus does die, but we're going to see in a little while he's going to bring him back, right? He's going to bring him back to life. He says this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. So first he tells us it's for the glory of God, that God may be glorified. How is God going to be glorified? He's going to be glorified because He's going to take a man that's been dead four days in the grave and He's going to raise him up. But then notice what He says. It's for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Not only is it for the glory of God, but but the Son of God, Jesus Himself, is going to be glorified through that, Right? So God gets God the Father gets the glory and God the Son gets the glory. Remember the whole thing he's doing here is reminding people that he's God. That's what all these signs are about is knowing that that when he raises Lazarus from the dead he's the God over life and death. It what does it say in John 1:4 he says and in him was life and that life was the light of men. He has the power to give life. He says in John 10, I have the power to lay down my life and to take it up again. Jesus has power over nature, over creation, over life, over death, over sickness, over disease, over everything. There's nothing that Jesus can't do. Now, He doesn't always work like we do. And we'll see that in just a second. This message that Jesus gives is not only for the People who are listening or reading this story, you know, we're reading this story and we're saying, okay, this sickness is not unto death, but it's so that God will be glorified. That the Son of God may be glorified through it too. And we're, we're reading it and we're hearing it and maybe some other people are overhearing the messenger. But this is the message Jesus is sending back to Mary and Martha. And when we're fixed to find out in a second, they're going to get real confused because Lazarus is going to actually die. The reason we know that, that that's what he's saying to Mary and Martha and for the messenger to take back to them is in verse 39 and 40. Verse 40 where Martha says, by this time, if we take the stone away, he stinks. Why would we take the stone away? And Jesus says, Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? And so we know that because of what he says to her later. This crisis has a a divine intended purpose. What is that purpose? To bring glory to God the Father through glorifying the Son. Remember back in John chapter 5, he says, If you don't honor the Son, then you don't honor the Father who sent Him. So many people will say, yeah, I believe in God, but they don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. But Jesus is God. Colossians 1.16 says He is the image of the invisible God. Colossians chapter 2 says, In Him all of the Godhead dwells bodily. The fullness of God. Jesus is God in a body. Jesus 
is wanting these folks to have faith. That's what He's wanting them to do. You know that? That's what God's doing in our life every single day. Did you know that? Sometimes we get sick. Sometimes we have problems. Sometimes we have trials. We have tribulation. And everything we go through in life is intended to help us to have more faith in God. That is what it's all about. You know, do you have faith in God? He wants you to trust Him no matter how bad it gets, no matter how tough it gets, no matter how sick you get, no matter what happens in life, He wants us to trust Him. And that's what the whole purpose is. This is a divine purpose. I, I believe when when they get this message back, they hear, you know, and I probably would too. You ever notice we don't always hear what people say? People say one thing and we, we, we think they say something totally different, right? So Jesus said his sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And what I think they probably hear is, okay, Lazarus is not going to die. But you know what? By the time they get the message, you know what's happened? Lazarus is already dead. Lazarus is already dead by the time the messenger comes. Because see, they were about a day's walk away. You know, they don't have beepers and cell phones and they don't have, you know, trains and planes. And so the messenger comes from Mary and Martha. And by the time he gets there, you know, it's probably 15 miles or so. It's been a full day. So by the time he gets the message from Jesus and goes back, he's probably rests that night and he goes back the next day and guess what? It's been two days. And by that time, apparently not too long after the messenger left, Lazarus died. Now you say, why? how, how can you say that? Well, by the time we get to the point where Jesus is going to go to the grave and he's going to pull that stone back. Tells him to pull that stone back. Martha says he's been dead four days, right? And we're going to read in a minute that uh, Jesus stayed two more days where he's at. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But but look what he says here next. Look at verse 5. Now, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 3, where the sister said, The Lord, the one you love, is sick. They were saying this is friendship love. This is phileo love. But here it says, Now Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And you know what? Or Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But you know what word he uses? Agape. That's that willful Love that I love you no matter what. That's that unconditional love. That's that strongest love that the Bible speaks about. And it is a love no matter what people do, no matter how people act, God knows us anyway. And that's that willful love. You know what? God loves them with an unconditional love just like He loves us. So how does that match up with what we read in verse... Six, because it says so when he heard that he was sick he stayed two more days in the place where he was now if he really loved him wouldn't he went ahead and went but remember what I said a minute ago this is God's plan this is God's time and God's never late 
He's always a right on time God. That's, that was the song I thought we were going to sing, but when I got to read looking at it, that wasn't the one I wanted to sing. It was the one that the tallies do. It's four days late. But he's always right on time. That's what we're going to hear at the end. It's pretty neat because, see, you think, well, why would Jesus, if he loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus, why would he put them through this? Why would he allow this? But you know, yeah, he already knew that Lazarus was dead. That's exactly right. He knew he was dead. But you know, they're sitting there thinking, well, at least if Jesus knew he was dead, or even whether he was sick or whatever, you know what they're thinking probably? Well, why isn't he at least showing up to come comfort us? You know what I mean? And, and so they're probably thinking, well, even if he knows he's dead, why isn't Jesus here? Because he loves us. and he, Why isn't he here comforting us? Isn't that what you would think if, you, if your best friend or one of your good friends and you had something bad happen in your family and, and you're wondering, well, where's my best friend at? The purpose was to glorify God. That's right. Glorify God. That's exactly right. He's never late. What he's doing here is sometimes, you know, what we have is what we call uh, tough love. You know, sometimes God has to teach us lessons, but sometimes we have to go through hard times, right? And that's what uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 says tribulation worketh patience or endurance. And endurance, character, and character makes hope. And, you know, that's what James 1 says. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, right? And when we trust God no matter what, we'll see what He does on the other side. I had a thing, and it's probably a pretty good little saying, so many times... We, we forget about how great God is. And it's kind of like this, you know, that no matter what we offer God, no matter how inadequate our resources are, when we offer them with a willful, loving, glorifying heart, praising heart to God, and He divinely empowers those resources, we're able to do anything He wants us to do. Do you know that? We can get through anything. We can go through anything. Jesus waits two days and even though they're sitting there going, where's Jesus, where's Jesus, where's Jesus? And it's too late, he's already died, but they're mourning and they're upset and they're, you know, all these people are gathering to him. They're like, well, where's Jesus at? Has he forgotten us? And you know, sometimes I think we feel that way too, don't we? We sit there and we wonder, we're going through this, we're going through that, and we're wondering, Where's God at? Where's God at? But He's right there, right? I mean, people ask, you know, last Sunday was 9-11 and people say, well, where was God at when that happened? You know what? He was the same place He was at when His Son was dying on the cross for our sins. He was still up in heaven doing what's best for us. Working out His will. Working out His plan. And we don't always understand you know, when a delay occurs, did you know that God has a better time and a better way? Did you know that? He has a better time and a better way. Because God's plan is always perfect. It's always right on time. It's always good. He knows best, right? Remember the old show, Father Knows Best? 
All the shows today, they all put the man down and the man's a stupid idiot. You know, of course, sometimes we act like them. Always the man is dumb, but back in the day, when we were studying our Bibles and reading our Bibles, and it says, Father knows best. And we'd look to the Father for leadership like the Bible tells us to do. But you know what? The Father in heaven, He's the one that really knows best, isn't He? He knows what's best. He's not going to do anything unless it's His perfect will, His perfect timing. And sometimes we sit there and go, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you waiting on? What's going on here? We're waiting on you. And He's like, okay, you just need to trust me. You need to hang in there. You need to hang on. You know, I've been telling folks last year or so, all the stuff we've been through, I tell people we're hanging in and Hanging on to God. I told some of y'all about my illustration. I don't know if I made this up or what, but sometimes it's like you're out on the clothesline. We don't have clotheslines. Most people don't anyway today. But you know, I feel like sometimes God puts us out on the clothesline and He hangs us up there to dry. You know, you can't get down off the clothesline until the clo- you don't pull them down until they're dry, right? Well, you know what? God hangs us up on the clothesline sometimes and we're praying and we're just like, feel like it's bouncing off the ceiling and we don't feel like we're getting any answers and we don't know what in the world's going on and we're trying to figure out what's going on and we're like, okay, God, you can take me down now. He says, no, you're not dry yet, son. I haven't accomplished the purposes in you I want to do. I want to grow your faith. I want to make you more mature. I want to do this in your life. And and sometimes he seems like heaven is nothing. He's not saying a word to us. But he's trying to get us to trust him through every situation. And that's what he's doing. I think that we just need to learn how to trust God because Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith is what? impossible to please God, right? That's what he's doing here. And if he hadn't done this, you know what? He couldn't have strengthened their faith. He couldn't have grown them in their faith. You know, somewhere along the line, you know what's going to happen? Jesus is not going to be with these folks anymore. And they're going to have to learn how to stand on their own. And you know what? That's, That's what we have to do, folks. Is we have to learn to stand on our own Because Jesus is enough. Can you say that? Jesus is enough. He really is. And no matter how tough it gets, no matter how hard it gets, Jesus is enough. He's always there for us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And He will always be there for us. Friends and family and everybody else will let you down or move on or... Something will happen and they won't be there for you. The toughest times I've ever been through, I've always found myself alone. I don't know about y'all, but you know what? I really wasn't alone because God was with me. And He's with you too if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's the first and the last. That's right. He's the Alpha Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And He's Almighty God, isn't He? Well, I'm going to go ahead and stop right there because that's a good cut-off place today. And then I'm going to play this. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to let you hear this uh, beautiful song that I, that I like so much. I heard it several years ago, and I love it. And I hope you like it too. 
But uh, let's pray and then we'll finish out with that song. Father, we thank you even though sometimes we don't think that you're there, you're always there. You have said you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. You're always right on time. We think sometimes you're late and you're just not meeting our needs in a timely manner, an adequate manner, not even meeting our needs at all. But Lord, you know best. So Lord, I pray that we would trust you in greater ways and come closer to you in greater ways, that we'd be more like Mary. I know many times we want to do and we think doing pleases you. And it does. But Lord, sometimes you just want us to sit at your feet and spend time with you and cuddle up to you and and be loved on by you and you to love on us and us to love on you. And Lord, sometimes that's what you want us to do. The Bible says to draw close to you and you'll draw close to us. So Lord, you're always right there. And when you're not close, it's because we've walked off. Because we're not paying attention to you. But you're always a step away, Lord. When we turn back to you, you're right there. Father, if there's one that doesn't know you today and has never trusted in you today, I pray that they would cry out and say, Lord Jesus, save me. Knowing that you're the way, the truth, and the life, and you're the only way to heaven. So Father, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in our place and to die for our sins. And we pray that you be glorified in everything that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 8, 32.